Hey, sports fans. Good morning. It is Wednesday, the, I don't know, was it the 20, 26th? Wednesday, the 26th. Um, I'm going to keep this really short because I am feeling very under the weather, as you can probably tell in my voice. I'm trying to conserve my voice for all the shows that we have coming up. So there is that. Last week, <clears throat> when I wasn't feeling very well, it was because I was, uh, I take a medication for my Crohn's disease once every eight weeks. And for a couple of days afterwards, it makes me feel really terrible. And I had just taken that. So no, you know, it's an excuse, but I, uh, I couldn't really make it happen, but I couldn't do it to two weeks in a row because I'm a fighter and the show must go on. Um, tomorrow morning I fly out to fly down to Richmond and, uh, this weekend on the 28th, we play Baltimore, Maryland at the soundstage, which is Baltimore soundstage is one of our favorite gigs to play. It's one of my favorite gigs to play every year. Um, since I joined carbon leaf, it's just been so great. Um, cool, really cool rock club, really great people. <clears throat> we always have a great, uh, turnout there, which is amazing. It's always great to have a good turnout, but, um, so we're there and then Leesburg, Virginia at the tally house. So this weekend is like staples for us, like classic, classic, big carbon leaf shows. Um, the tally ho in Leesburg is such a great venue. And that's also another one with great people. There's a great burger. I'm, I sound like Dean Anschutz right now. It's great. Um, there's a great burger place that's attached to the venue and it's, uh, and we'll be getting, I will absolutely be getting dinner there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm just looking at my calendar. Jen has her baby shower. We have a baby shower on Sunday, which is going to be great. Um, so that, and then the following week, I guess a week from tomorrow, we're in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Buffalo, New York, Pittsburgh, Kent, Ohio, the Kent stage, Rochester, New York, Syracuse, New York, Fairfield, Connecticut. I don't see like an announcer when I'm doing these. Concord, New Hampshire, Rockport, Massachusetts, and Shirley, Massachusetts. Rockport's at the Shailen Lou, which is like, for a band like ours, not my favorite room to play in just because of how ambient and big the room sounds. Um, but as a person that loves great venues and like really cool places and loves to play in really cool places, it doesn't matter. You make it work because that place is fucking awesome. That place is so cool. Um, so if you're in Massachusetts and you're either, if you're going to both shows, then enjoy. Um, but if not, and you had to pick one, Shailen Lou's pretty sweet, but Shirley, I guess, I guess they're, they're so far away from each other, but, um, oh, and then Port Washington, New York, which is off, oh, which is on Long Island, I think. Um, yeah. And then we got St. Pat, St. Patrick's day, which I'll do nothing for corned beef and cabbage. Let's talk about corned beef and cabbage for a second. I like 10 year old me, I don't know if 10 is the right, right age, but would be like corned beef and cabbage. That sounds gross. But me now, 
is like corned beef and cabbage. Why can't every day be St. Patrick's Day? I love corned beef and cabbage so much, but it kind of hurts my teeth after a while because the corned beef is kind of chewy, but I'm kind of talking everyone out of it. But I think it's great. I think it's really, 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 really good. Um, And I plan to have some. I will be doing a solo acoustic set on March 19th, which is a Thursday at Devlin's Restaurant. So you can come see me play covers and some originals um, in Massachusetts, in the Brighton, Massachusetts area, which I guess, no, is not technically Boston. I guess, wait, is Alston and Bright Alston and Brighton is Boston. Yes, it is. I remember this now. Um, doesn't matter. So the 19th, which is a Thursday, I'll be there. And um, man, and then that's it, dude. And that's it till, till my, my son is born. Oh, that's so weird to say. That is so crazy weird to say. Um, in this episode with Don Miggs, um, guys might not know Don, but he is the head of, um, he's a leader, singer, uh, songwriter for the band Whole Damn Mess. And previously he was a ba- in a band called Miggs. <clears throat> Don is, Don's one of my favorite people. Um, I met Don when I was, when I was playing drums with, uh, Stephen Kellogg. He opened a series of shows for us, um, as a solo act. And, you know, quickly we find out like, oh, Don is kind of a baller. Like, you know, you meet people that just have a lot of stuff, you know, whether it's money or things, but Don, the thing that separates Don from, you know, a person like that for me is, is, he loves for you to have the same experience. He knows exactly how lucky he is. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of weird to say, but exactly how fortunate he is. He works incredibly hard for the things that he has. Um, and he works incredibly hard for his family. Um, you know, I follow him on social media and stuff and, just the, the post that he writes about his wife, just, you know, get me in trouble with my wife. I was like, why don't you do stuff like that for me? Which I do. I do. Um, <clears throat> but man, Don is, is the shit. Um, it, it was really, really nice to sit down and connect with him. And towards the end, um, towards the end of the conversation, we get into some things about how he has noticed like a change in, in my in, in me, in my personality through, you know, just years of playing and being in the music business and just working through it. And, um, Don has some great stories about, you know, people he's met and also personal friends that are his that are famous. And, and, um, you know, he has like really, really cool. Uh, he has a studio at his house. He's got like really, really cool guitars and he loves to share these stories with other people. And which I think is just, um, really great. I I think, you know, if you have it 
help help somebody enjoy maybe something that they don't have for a little bit. He offered to let me drive his Tesla, which I'm going to take you up on that at some point, Don. Just, you know, whatever whatever the new model is, whatever model that you have, I will drive it and I will love it. But we didn't get a chance to do that this time. <clears throat> um the sound checks were a little long because um, we had two full bands going that night. We did this interview down in Tampa and um, we didn't get to go to his house. We talk a lot about going to his house and stuff, but I think we're going to, well, we're going to make this happen at some point, but um, you'll hear some roosters in the background. Um, and I guess to not get in trouble, um, I think it was Igor, Igor uh, or Igor, Ygor. Um, Florida, which I guess is kind of off of Tampa. Anyway, um, Don is a, Don kind of ruined tequila for me because, um, Don buys Clase Azul Ultra, which is like the best tequila you can ever have. Um, it's very expensive and, uh, it's, if you have a chance to drink a glass or drink a shot of it or, you know, sip a shot. It's like, it'll just ruin tequila for you. It's the greatest thing I've ever had. <clears throat> we talk about that story of the first time that he, he well, I tasted it. Um, when he brought, like randomly brought it on the bus one day during that tour, it was incredible. Um, a couple of special appearances. John stops by for a second. Um, everyone was kind of busy doing things. So whoever came on the bus is kind of in it a little bit. Um, Don and Carter actually talk about uh, Billy Gibbons and guitars and like some real nerdy stuff. Um, but they get into it and it's very cool. It's cool to hear because I don't get, always get to hear Carter's knowledge of guitars and guitarists because he's just like, you know, Carter is just knows so much and it's really, you know, every now and then he'll chime up and you'll be like, oh, what the fuck? How, how did he know that? Um, so it's great. They're all, everyone's just like students of the game here. Um, you can email into the show as always after the gig pod at gmail.com. Patreon still up there. Thank you all so very, very much for supporting the show and to all the newcomers this month. I really, really appreciate it. Um, you can check that out at, uh, patreon.com slash after the gig. <clears throat> So, um, you know, this is a great conversation about just living life to the fullest and no matter how much money you have in his case, a lot in my case, not a lot, we're both just as happy and it's about helping the other people out and using what you have in your experience to, to share it with others. And, um, and to maybe let let somebody in that needs help, and uh, and I think it's, I, I I really 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 love this conversation. I really love listening back to this conversation, um, and I feel immensely lucky to have Don as a friend, um, and hopefully co writer at some point, or or you know work colleague at some point. But right now, it's all about meeting them halfway and finding those friends and kind of just building those relationships, which I think it, you know, for Don, if I get to see Don at once every three years, then, you know, if that's how it is, then 
that's great. I will enjoy those whatever time every three years, I will enjoy that time a lot. Um, but hopefully it's, it's less time than, uh, than that till we see each other again. But I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Don Miggs. Um, oh, also he's an author. So he wrote a book about dads. So it's called dad knows best. And I just ordered it on Amazon. So, um, I'm gonna read that before the baby comes and hopefully, hopefully it's awesome. and makes me the best dad ever. So, all right, without further ado, Mr. Don Miggs. Enjoy. say it i forgot if i read it or if i'm just yeah we we posted oh you did okay so yeah, what we, is that we posted on um like a few days ago all right then i did see it congratulations thank you very much when is that due april 6th april 6th i try telling you telling everybody run hard run fast yeah i know we got two of them so see you're lo- like i feel like i need to adopt some of your um like like your health habits like you're the you're one of the healthiest people i've ever met (laughs) (laughs) i should have brought my my book for you too my dad's no best book oh really yeah it's out came out in february last february a year ago can i get it like on amazon yeah all right i'll I'll order it yeah but i I don't think i have any in the car but it's good and it's sells i mean it's literally all the you know just like don't do this try doing this okay it's a good book to get before you have the kid before you have the kid. Yeah. I have one I have one um that Genevieve actually got me that is like all what to expect like from oh, yeah, yeah. from 0 to 3 months from Yeah, yeah. This know. is like the it's my view of all of that up until they're out of toddler. So okay. it's all the things, you know, it has all this stuff where all your friends who don't have kids who say um uh you know, we have a dog, and, you know, it's the same thing. It's like having a kid. You're like, no, moron. It's not even in the same ballpark. Like, anyone yeah. who says they know what it's like to have a kid that has a has an animal, and so they, like, are talking about their their mommy and their daddy, and they're, they're playing those things, is out of their mind. Yeah. Because it's not yeah. anything near the same. Yeah, because you can walk out of the room. It's not, like, <laughs> all the realities, but people forget all that. But No, I mean, that's, I... I I'm reading. I'm reading this book to just kind of. I'm trying not to freak myself out too much. There's nothing to freak out about. In the end, like, it's happening. Yeah. Right. So you don't have a choice. It's no different than being on a stage and all of a sudden you thought there were going to be three thousand and there are thirty, or yeah. you thought there were going to be three thousand and there are thirty thousand. Either yeah. way, like, you've done the work. You're yeah. There. You just need to breathe and show up. Yeah. So, you're not going to break the baby, mm-hmm. right? And you're not going to. I uh, hope not. No, you're not, you're really not. Like that's yeah. the thing is that they're so much more resilient and so much stronger than you think. And all they want is for you to love them and like be present. And and yeah. all that takes is to be mindful and engaged. 
yeah. and they tell you what they need. And once you learn what those signs are, and there's only like it's they need to poop, they need to eat, they need to sleep, and mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. For the first three months, and yeah. then they start to give you signs of what else they need. The only thing I would say is like. Just be careful about giving the baby over to somebody else to do, like, maybe the legwork while you're both working and stuff. Right. But, like, the personal things that, you know... Because you never get that back. Right. Right? So, having said that, we had full-time help. We had the most amazing baby nurse ever. Yeah. And we still... I look like this because I don't sleep. Because they're yeah. st- and they're 8 and 10 years old, and you still, like... You white knuckle it every day, you know, and so all you're doing the like the best time of day is When they wake up. Yeah, and the second best time of day is when they go to bed, right? And then the rest of the day you're just like it's like I right, don't know. What do I do? You have to stay on your toes. Yeah. I, I get ahead of myself sometimes and I think like I think about when the kid gets older and you know, the fact that, okay, well, Genevieve, first of all, said to me yesterday, was like, I just want him to stay in my belly because <laughs> this is the best. Like, I can see him poking around. I can feel Get him. It. Like, I know he's super, he's safe in there and, you know, and he's with me all the time. And, and that was very sweet to hear. And uh, whenever, you know, I think about like way far ahead, like, how am I going to like, what kind of parent am I going to be? How am I going to approach things? Should I speak to them like an adult? Should mm-hmm. I, you know, should I? You should not think about any of it. Yeah. I know that seems crazy. But no, like, I know. All your best ideas will go out the window and you're going to do, if you're a good human being, you do the best you can. Yeah. And in the, in the end, that'll either be enough or it won't. And that yeah. won't be on you. Yeah. If you've done the, if you're like, this is the best I can do, our job it's crazy. Your job is to grow somebody to leave you. So they're not meant to stay. Interesting. Right? And when they're nine, my, my kids, my, I have an eight and a 10 year old. So literally one just left it. The other one's going into the locker room of halftime in our house. Okay. They're already half of the way out of our house. Wow. Right? When How you do think, you feel about that? It's crazy. But yeah. it's also exhilarating because... It, it, People always say like, oh, you should meet my kid. Oh, he's so smart. My kid can do this and they can do that. Or I don't know what's wrong with my kid. He's, he's two and he still, you know, poops in the diaper too many times or he picks his nose or whatever. And I always say, don't tell me what your kid is like at eight or even 18. Yeah. Tell me what type of man or woman they become. Hey, buddy. Oh, hey. Sorry. No, come on in. How are you? Good, how are you? Carter, this is Don. Carter, Don Carter. Carter. This may happen from time That's to time. A, I don't really care about it's, any of it. It's kind of what it's all about. <clears throat> Getting your coffees. Oh, I know. I forgot where I put all my uh, rock boat patch cables, like for a sit-in kind of oh. like weird cable stash. Yeah. But I might as well get a coffee bro. Yeah. You guys carry on. What do you have there? What do you, what, what instrument? Oh, uh, mandolin. That's a mandolin. Yeah. Why don't you come to the studio? I'm in the middle of doing a bluegrass song for a movie right now, and like, I'm doing like some banjo, and I'm, yeah, I'm like thinking I need mandolin. This is your I guy. Definitely need mandolin. He can have bluegrass. I mean, Bill Monroe. If you've got bluegrass, this you is your guy. He's got, he's got the fiddles and everything too. My, um, my buddy uh, Monroe Grisman, his dad. Yeah. Is pretty. Amazing. It's, Sam is the ba- one that plays bass, right? Sam yeah. Grisman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I know him. Yeah, and then uh, his dad is 
I just Ross is David. David Grisman. Yeah. He's pretty stupid good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm guy. terrible with it, but I have everything at the house. I'm, I'm pretty pretty awful as well, so no. don't, tell don't, don't even tell anybody. That's that. not true. Well, if you get no. a break, you want to go six miles, come to the house and you play yeah. 100. I got 150 guitars there. And Holy smokes. Hendrix's guitar from 62. And Which one was that? I have one when he was in the Isley Brothers. The, oh. the jazz master, not the Steven Seagal has the later one because he had two, but I have the one when he was in the Isley Brothers, the '62. Dweezil has the one that was set on fire. How many? Yeah. How many of his guitars are out there? There are several, but a lot of them are ones he's played like once or twice. And I have like, I'll keep this right here. And I have the guitars mm -hmm. that, um, uh, for me, I wanted one that was like, as a player's guitar. So yeah. I'm in mine's in my studio. I use it all of the time. As it should be. Yeah, as it yeah. should be. Yeah, Pretty absolutely. amazing. And it's funny because I'm just starting to think, all right, we're starting to get to a point where people are going to phase out. They're going to start to forget who Jimi Hendrix is. Like, yeah. we know, but our kids' kids may not. And so I was just offered a large sum of money for the guitar, and I turned it down. This was probably a year ago. And then a couple months ago, I was like, let me just revisit that. And I got offered a little bit less than what I was offered. And I mean a large sum. Yeah. And now that number's already gone down a little bit. So it's making me think, okay, you got it. There's a timing if, if it's something you want to sell. Right. But for me, there's no value. The value is in the story. So I bring it. Absolutely. I just did a tour with Cheap Trick and ZZ Top. And I brought the guitar out there and like giving it to Billy Gibbons to play. And Billy, who's played, who actually Jimmy name-checked Billy. Yeah. Or um, Rick Nielsen. 13th floor elevators or whatever yeah. that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's pretty just cool to have this thing. And like Mike McCready used it on stage with Pearl Jam and... Kyle used it with Matchbox 20, like uh, Sean Stockman used it with Boys to Men. Like, oh, just I bring it to all my friends' shows and let them use it. Yeah, awesome. Because then it has like this life, you know, you just feel it all moving through it. That's crazy. That's awesome. I would argue that Billy Gibbons, uh, Les Paul, his 59 would be one of those uh, icon pearly games. Unbelievable. I have yeah. great, great stuff from the tour with doing that. He would use that guitar. He has this machine and he, he just drums a G chord. And it gives it basically a cue. It says the exact setting of the 59. And so every one of his guitars that he has on stage is EQ'd to that exact setting. Mm -hmm. None of them are real Gus Pauls. They're all, they all say Gibbons instead of Gibson. Really? And they're all hollow, including the neck on most of them, because yeah. he wants them really thin. He uses Super sevens. Light. Well, I really? Sevens. Sick. Wow. But yeah. all of his guitars sound exactly the same because he's used this this thing where every one of them goes through and he just EQs them all to be exactly the same as that 59 Les Paul. Oh, wow. Which is not hollow. Which is not yes. hollow. But, but everything else, he's, he's uh, I think, weight relieved to make it light. Everything, for, uh, including the headstock. Stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's also just the coolest freaking guy. And, like, you go out and, like, it, once he knows you, he's like, he'll text you. Um, to hit, it just goes like Migs, meet me at catering, 10 a.m. <laughs> and you get there and he's in full pajamas. Oh man! And he brings you on stage to his gear and he's always like, and this is what I use for this thing and this. Hold this, try this. That's awesome. But his strings are seven, so like you can't if you even uh, just oh, you, there, you break every one of them. Oh my yeah. god! I didn't realize. Does he still use a peso instead of a pick? He use, yeah, yeah, he yeah. has a million pesos around. Did yeah. you know him or just mm -hmm. no? Just know the just, stories. Just a yeah, just a guitar fan. Yeah, Cra but, uh, craziest thing, and he was so 
cool about like showing me all of that. And then so is Rick. Rick would like I have me with the five neck guitar and his yeah we did uncle. we did a private show with those guys and it was wild to see that he racked up all those old deluxe reverbs like yeah drip edge i think yeah Can't his remember. dax his son plays drums with us oh really with hold oh, ms cool, so man. um we got to just do every night go out and do surrender with them which was just unbelievable that is know? that is all just all like the whole on. time you're pinching yourself yeah. but just to be around guys that know guitars to that degree is yeah, so much absolutely. fun you know absolutely and man. then to be able to like to, you can't. It's hard to impress guys that have a '59 Les Paul that's like the one, right? Right. Right. And then like you have this thing, or like I have uh, the guitar, the Telly um, uh, used for Pretty Woman to record Pretty oh, Woman for Roy nice. Orbison '61 Telly, and so that has like all this history, but it's still these guys have every one. I mean, Rick right. has guitars upon guitars upon guitars you know yeah, well, yeah. He, and, he and billy are from that generation <laughs> yeah. where they made the stories exactly that, you know that people buy the guitars for exactly you know? they both told me don't sell it yeah. the hendrix but then i've had other people go you're 100 percent right it's going to at some point soon enough but things like that they they ebb and flow you know yeah, yeah. they'll, they'll yeah. always come back they're yeah. not making any more Jimi hendrix guitars right. he will never not be a legend right and the guy that had a you know, one of the feet that started, you know, rock and roll and guitar playing as it is today. So uh, yeah, the only argument coming back, come go. The only argument with that is that if you look at life, at some point in another hundred and fifty years, Elvis and Bob Dylan will be considered contemporaries. Basically, you'll be like, oh yeah, it was Elvis and Bob Dylan. No different well, than all right of now. It will get running. But yeah. no, no different than right now. You kind of go. Well, World World War One and World War Two, like they were kind of around the same time, right? Because right. history does that too. So, at some point, Dizzy Gillespie, who was amazing, people are like, "Well, Dizzy Gillespie," right? So I wonder if at some point, then again, I'll be long dead, so it won't matter. My kids can deal with that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But again, they aren't making any more. Yeah. They're make they're plenty of old guitars. But there aren't plenty of old guitars with stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as long as it's documented and the story's written down, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, in some way to kind of show what it's done. Well, if, it'll, it'll if he if he recorded it. this, we just got the story. It's done. I did. So, yeah, so well, there. Let me let you guys do your All thing. Right, man. But uh, I'll see you guys. In the we night. should find some. We should find some time. You guys should come out there. You would yeah. just have fun for yeah. sure. Um, sorry. Got, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because like. I get what you're saying about that guitar and how, you know, obviously the the value of it will will go up and yeah, yeah, up yeah. and down. But like, you know, you might get offered a little less for it in you know a year. But then Rolling Stone might come out with a huge thing on on uh, Jimi Hendrix, and then right. the value skyrockets back up again. Or you find some right. new buyer that maybe didn't even know about it before and they're like oh i need to have this thing yeah. so it's really just thankfully i don't need the money yeah so i don't not it's not about the money it's about the value right and there's a part of me that really does love you know i i i use both sides of my brain um strangely in what i do every day and so one my left side of my brain says well, you bought it for X, and you can make yeah. so many more times what you bought it for. Right, right, of course. Maybe that's a cool story, but I really, I live my life kind of in search. I've figured this out, that I live my life in search of stories. Yeah. 
that's really what I do. And so I'm always looking for what's not, and I don't even consciously, but what's the good story? And the story is that I have this guitar and then I got people use it. Yeah, I mean, it's better that, like, you know, you'd rather. How are you? Yeah, you guys know each other. Oh, man, I'm going to blow it on the air. I can see it, Don. I do. How's life? Life is really good. Good. This run is. Good. I thought you were going to say, it's running its course. It's right. This life is good. <laughs> life has run its course. And it's now running go. its course. Hey, did you hear about the sound guy that died during the set? No, that was the that Oh, was that, the was, that was the artist, yeah. Yeah, I know, but what would it be like if I went? It would just it would just be one one fader just slowly going up and up <laughs> until feedback and then like oh is that how he dies hands on the yeah, board hands on the board or it's the other way he's going back and he's going slowly back. it gets really quiet and then it gets really quiet no one you don't hear anything then you just hear Poof, yeah and it's that he's completely falling well, very very poetic is the guy in the back turning around going can't hear him can't hear him. <laughs> This sound guy's terrible. <laughs> this is the worst sound guy ever. It's I've like he's venue, dead. I've had a venue lose power, and uh, the person turns around and looks at me and goes, I can't hear them. Yeah. Did you notice that it's everything like, is not working? Everything's off. Everything's gone. It's like, thank you, Captain Obvious. The fire alarm is going off. Oh, that's funny. We were just, it's funny, we were just talking about Jimi Hendrix's guitar that, that Don owns, and how it's like... Pretty much the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it's like that's a really good thing to talk about. That's, yeah, that's a great thing. Yeah, it's not the worst. No, it's not the worst. But the fact that like being, it's way cooler to be the guy that has the guitar that has people roll through and lets them like handle it and play it and is like, man, uh, like you're really experiencing something. It's kind yeah. of on par yeah. with going on trips and experiencing things rather than like... I agree with that. You know. And and it was getting back to like the story, like for me, that's why it would be hard for me to actually part with it because I get so much joy. Look, I've out... My life is so much better than I ever thought it would be. I always thought that I'd have a great life. Mm -hmm. And I always worked really hard to have a great life. And yeah. I take care of myself. And I always like was very mindful of business and creative and doing all this stuff but my reality has far exceeded my expectations yeah having said that i'm still the guy who gets up every day and really really tries hard to earn the life i have you know mm -hmm. i can't i didn't earn it but i'll i deserve it and I, yeah. I deserve it because I work hard to deserve it. I'll never be able to actually earn it, if that makes sense. Yeah, kind of. So part yeah. of what I do is like that guitar or like I love Casio Azul Ultra Tequila and I yeah. like certain we things. Were, so so <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that, Don. Um, Doug and I, when I told Doug that you were stopping by, I was we we're immediately thought about tequila and i could have brought some tequila i know but I, it's funny because i am i haven't had a drink in four months i'm just like trying it out Smart i'm move. just i'm just taking some time off and uh and i said well there's w only one way that i would that i would break that yes, <laughs> it's like and i'm glad this is in the afternoon and he probably won't bring it but tequila, with Don Miggs, yeah. anything can really, anything can happen. You know what? If I would have thought it through, I would have brought some. Um, yeah, that's. There are certain things like that, and I think it's important to. I honor those things, and the really yeah. how I honor it is, I share it. Yeah, no, that's because great. that 
makes it so much cooler because it's no longer about me. Yeah. It's now about us. I mean, wh what was that? Three years ago or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're still talking about it. Yeah. But it really is. <laughs> it really becomes like this. At first, I, I that's another one of those things. I used to sort of like, ah, oh, shucks, and apologize for having stuff. And then there was a point where I didn't maybe know how to express it in a way that it didn't seem like a little bit he's showboating. Like, oh, all right, well, he's, you know, he's showing you how big his penis is. But <laughs> none of that's true because I sincerely, I get such a rise out of someone else enjoying something that yeah. I'm always like, isn't this the coolest thing? Yeah. It's never like, well, look what I've got. Um, it's really about like, I, listen, I want to be in a gang. That's why I'm, I like being in bands. Yeah, I like being in a gang. I want I want to experience things with people because I feel like life's a combat sport. You know, yeah. and if you're not kind of bumping into people, it's not really happening. But all I'm in search of to kind of bring it all full circle it, are these stories about things that we all sort of aspire to have, and I still aspire every day, even though I have some of it. Right. So if I let you have the Hendrix guitar, maybe there's a ripple of that thing when you go out and there's something else happens, or maybe you use it on stage. Mike McCready from Pearl Jam had it on stage. He immediately did the Star, Star Spangled Banner, and I stood oh, up man. on stage and filmed him doing it. Um, and then after, the show is over, and he goes up to Eddie, and they're talking. He's like, no, no, no. And Eddie goes, thanks, Don. We're going to do one more song. <laughs> Mike wants to do Little Wing. And so he wanted to do Little Wing with that guitar. Yeah. You can't buy that. No. That's like, that's never, and he doesn't owe me anything for it. Yeah. I mean, we became friendly. We've, you know, we've texted and stuff, but then he won't always like, he's not dropping me lines all the time because now I'm the coolest right. guy in the world. It's just that that was a moment. It was a moment in time. And I got to give it to him mm -hmm. and no one else could have. But yeah. me, that's my story. Yeah. And that's the coolest thing. And same with Classy Azul. If I'm like drinking Ultra with somebody who you can afford to go buy it. Maybe you can't afford to go buy it a lot. Yeah. But you could make that happen. But I have a credit card. Yeah. But you wouldn't. <laughs> most people wouldn't. If you're in L.A., a two ounce pour of that at Polo Lounge is $425 or $450. Okay. So, yeah, that's, a, that's about on par with what I thought it might be. So that's stupid. Because what is it? It's like $1,800 yeah, yeah, for the yeah, bottle? Yeah, yeah, something like 16 I Honestly, I get it now. I get a deal because... You must because... Yeah, I get it. I, so I know the vice president there, but more than that, um, there was one point I met... Uh, I tell this story because it's funny. I was in LA. No, I was in Naples at a wine festival some guy comes up to me and he goes are you don miggs and i'm like oh, you know the you know the music yeah don miggs yeah shaking yeah. his head you like the band you like you know my old band miggs you like whole damn mess what do you like of shaking doing this whole thing and he's like no uh no i don't know about it's any like, of that it's like, i don't know what you're talking he goes, about <laughs> you're the number one buyer of tequila on the west coast oh my god and i go what how's that i said i thought it, like i'm like there's no way he goes well you are i go yeah but i don't I only drink one thing. He goes, yeah, but it's Casa Zuelcha. Yeah, but when it's that thing. So it's pretty funny. So personal buyer. So I was at a place. So what I do is I go around with that because I love them so much. There's yeah. only like five women in Mexico who paint these bottles. They're a small company doing big things. And if I go to a restaurant that I frequent, I'll say, I need you to carry this. And they're like, well, we're not going to carry it. I'm like, I'll be the one to drink it. And I will drink it. Yeah. And I've helped them open up several 
locations, which I think is kind of cool. That's amazing. You know, what was it, the first time you had it? Oh my God. So I had started this thing with tequila when I was making the first whole damn mess record. So it was probably right after I had first met you guys yep. and I decided, okay, I'm going to go do when I started the solo thing. I was doing, I was doing that. Yep. Um, that was just me and the drums standing up, right? So, yeah, right, kick so, drum. That's right. So I just started re- working on and this you had an inter- You had an interesting guitar on that tour, too. It was like a fire, some Firebird or... Yeah. Oh, my God. That's right. Um, I can't remember exactly what some the story... Some Coro- Cor- Corona, Coronado or... It was like a red... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an, that's an old guitar. I think it was like... Actually, I don't even remember. I wouldn't be making... I'd be making this up. Um, but I, I remember when I first had it, but I started the thing on this tour. I mean, when I was making the record with the these two guys I was making it with and we would have a little tequila I don't drink really mm. but I'd found the this $400 tequila mm-hmm. and I was like guys this is whatever it's Don Julio yeah, Real yes cuz like, you had that one too mm-hmm. I'm like oh here's this is the thing well we drank it really quick one night and I'm like ah that can't happen anymore so what I started doing is I would do a thing called tearing so I okay. started with that and then I would get the next cheaper one, next cheaper one, next cheaper one, and then like the fourth one was cheap enough that you could have as much of that as you wanted. Yeah. But you could only have one of the good stuff. And then I started getting better better on the good stuff. And then someone sent me and said, you're not really drinking to kill unless you can buy this. And okay. it was the Ultra. And that ruined me. I'll tell you, that that time, it was like Connecticut, where, right. where, we, had, where we had the Ultra, Honestly, because we had you kind of did a little bit of the same thing. Yeah, you yeah, got yeah. one bottle, and we had that, and it was really good. And then you had the uh, Real, right, which was very good. I was like, "Wow, this is this is great." And then you brought out the big guns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, "Okay, all right, let's. This is this is a really cool bottle. This is awesome." And then you poured it, and then I had a sip. I was like, "Yeah, holy, yeah." It, it ruined. Like, I don't think. I haven't had much. I won't say I haven't had any tequila since then, but I haven't had much right. because nothing compares yeah, to it. Yeah, there's no reason to. And it's that's, crazy. To me, that makes it better, too. And then I don't drink as much anyway, and I'm not a huge enough drinker, but I just have gotten to a point in life where I know I'm going to be dead much longer than I'm alive. <laughs> yeah. And I do my best. We all are. To do the best things I can while I'm alive. Yeah. So I try to only do the things I really want to do. Yeah. And if I'm going to have a drink... I'm going to drink that. And if that's snobby, that's okay. But in the morning, my head doesn't feel bad. I don't yeah. overdrink because you yeah. can't drink too much of it. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can, but I don't because I'm not really enough of a drinker. Yeah. And so I always feel good about it. Yeah. Again, it's a, for me, all of that is still the collection of the stories. Yep. So that's the same I completely with like, agree, yeah. whatever it is, the wine or like, that's the kind of people I want to collect. Like I've stayed in touch with you for that same reason. Like you meet people where you're like, that's a good person. That's nice. Whatever else happened, that's a good man. Yeah. And if I see him once every three years and I can do something for him and he does something for me or we're just like, there's a moment of like, I'm glad that we've met. Yeah. That's woven into the fabric of like being alive. Yeah. It's totally worth it. You know, that's, I don't know. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. And again, it's cause I've, I've really sort of had to take a look at my life and, and say, am I happy where I am? How do I, how do I figure out how to be happy where I am? Because mm-hmm. I always am striving for something else, and that can really, that can be painful. Yep. You know, the, and the pain, especially, it's funny because 
the more money you make, while it's like cry me a river, here's a violin, <clears throat> parts of life become way easier and other parts become way more difficult, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then there's a certain threshold of, of an amount of money you make where people, can, they can't really, you feel kind of isolated because they can't really understand. And it's funny because I can understand what it's like to not have any money because mm -hmm. I've been there. Yeah. I can understand what it's like to have a little bit of money. I've been there. There's also a feeling that, like, you, I think you're right about the isolation because there's a, a lot of people that would be un, maybe uncomfortable to just hang out with you because they know that it's like I have almost like nothing to contribute. But with someone like you, you it's all about the story and having a good time and, like, you know, sharing these things. And that's awesome. That's like a really nice way in for people to experience that yeah. part of life because not everyone gets to experience that yeah that's true but the, really the i'm the winner because of the isolation of that you tend most people not most but a lot of people can surround themselves with yes men people okay. just kind of go huh oh, they laugh at their jokes because they know they're going to get whatever that thing is yeah for sure well the joke of that is like i don't really have anything to give you Okay. I have everything to give you, but nothing to give you. It's like, so yeah. if you don't just like me, then at some point... This is not going to work. You're going you're gonna to be way disappointed. Yeah. So but to finish that thing is that what I just recently realized, someone said to me I, on my radio show, I have the Migs and Swig radio show. Yeah. Um, and it's picking up steam. It's an FM radio show. It's, it's crazy. It's just life out loud is what I call it. And it's the Migs and Swig show. I mean, the... What we talk about is life out loud, which mm -hmm. is basically what we're doing right now. Just yeah, we didn't say we're starting a, this. No, we just talked. It's a rolling start. Um, and so, w all of this stuff that I do, somebody called and was like, "Well, you have no idea what it's like." Or he was talking about Trump, and he's a he was a Trump fan, and I and I'm just not. Yeah, right. Well, you, some people are. I'm just not. More than half the country right. aren't. Right. And I said, "Sir, you know, so you know, he's serving me, not you." Mm -hmm. Like, Trump loves me. Yeah. It's you he doesn't it's like, love. like, I'm his guy. Yeah, it's you he has a problem with. I'm rich, white, male. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm in his wheelhouse. I check all the boxes. <clears throat> but the thing that's, the thing that he did, this guy didn't understand is that I knew, I know that guy's life because I've had that. Mm -hmm. He's never had my life. Mm -hmm. That's the isolation when you, when you start to think, like, most people haven't had what I've got gotten to experience yeah and that becomes sort of like it, for some i guess there's an elitist thing or they get detached and feel great about it i don't i want someone to share in that i want to bring people into that yeah. so that they know what that thing's like so they also know it's no different than showing up one day and there are 30 people instead of three thousand, right. or there are thirty thousand instead of th right. three thousand it's like you get up and you prepare to do the best you can. And if you go to bed tired because you've spent your day doing things, then life's good. Yeah. And all I, the I other stuff agree more. is just stuff. Yeah. Stuff matter. is pretty sweet. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's just stuff. But it's just stuff. Because I, I completely agree with that. Because I've been around a lot of people that have a lot of stuff. And, and it's fun. It's like, you know, it's fun to drive around in a Tesla. It's fun to, to drink ultra but when it comes down to it like what i do 
tra traveling around to different places, playing music for people that want to hear it. Like, at the end of the day, I'm pretty happy. Right. You know, I have, I have someone at home that loves me, and, and it's great. So. And how many years ago were you not doing this? Thinking, I wish I could be doing that. You know, I never really thought that way. Huh. I always thought, like, this is what I like to do. I'm going to find some... <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to find some kind of way to do it. And then, you know, one opportunity turned into another opportunity, turned into another one. I got to meet... You know, it, it really clicked for me when I stopped um, looking for something out of people. And just doing things for, for me and myself, uh -huh. you know, rather than saying, hey, um, oh, I'm on this, I'm on the rock boat or I'm on, at this gig. Like, it would be great if I could talk to this person and maybe like, you know, get a leg everything up. Everything was and, a leg up and a stepping stone. Yeah, but everything had to come from some, someone else. It, when I started thinking like, you know what, just do what you need to do, have goals, accomplish these goals, just scratch and claw away at it and do something that you really want to do and build something yourself that's when i really started to enjoy myself and be wow. happy and not like because it's all about self-reliance yeah, too yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you have to have people that you love around you but especially in your in this what you do yeah talk about isolation you're alone together yeah at the time yeah. like everyone's like oh yeah we're all here we're doing a thing together but then you're in your bunk. Yeah. There are a lot of hours of missing the one you love. Yep. Missing your stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And if you can't have self-reliance, you're dead in the water. Right. You'll wind up being miserable. You'll drink way too much. Yep. Like, to tell me you're not drinking and you're on tour, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And you're not saying I'm not doing point. it because I'm an alcoholic. You're exactly. saying I'm doing it because I'm doing a thing. I'm trying. Yeah. Well, I found myself taking those hours that I could be productive and, you know, maybe staying up too late and drinking or like hanging out. There's nothing, nothing good was coming of those hours I was spending that way. Nothing good happens after midnight. By exactly. The way. Unless you I was a bartender for a long right. time. Unless you're at home in, in a bed with the one you love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing good happens after midnight. So yeah, exactly. I get made fun of a lot because I always leave the party a little early. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with but that. I always leave the party a little early right before the thing that everyone wished didn't happen mm -hmm. happens. Yep. So if I get out before that, then I can only remember a good time. I don't have anything where I'm like, man, that guy became an idiot or yeah. those weird things. I just stay out of it. It's just paying attention, really. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've, I'm the same way. I've been like, I've always been the kind of person that reads the room and like, all right, how's this, how's this all going to pan out? And then, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, you're at the party and I'm like, I don't. I don't think I want to be here anymore. And yeah. then, like you just said, you find out later, oh, the cops came. Yeah. You or know. whatever the thing is. Yeah. Also, it's just, I like to get up early. Yeah. I work out. Um, I have a trainer four days a week. I have tennis four days a week. Okay. And then the other three days I will run. Um, I'll do some sort of thing because we're fighting time. We're fighting time and gravity. And, the, and I want to... I want to be able to, I never want someone to say like, hey, you seem like you're in good shape for your age. I just want them to say, yeah, he's in good shape. Just mm -hmm. like, I don't, you don't want to be identified as like the rich guy, the poor guy, the black guy, the white guy. You just want to be identified as the guy. As the guy. And it's, it's so, for me, it's way easier 
Derek Jeter said, it's way easier to stay in shape than to get in shape. Okay. And I've really taken that to heart. And so I, I try to stay like mind, body, soul. So I started 36 days ago meditating. Interesting. Um, I have an app. Every day? Every day, 10 minutes a day. Okay. Just my wife and I do it together, which is really kind of cool. And it's 10 minutes a day of that just to sort of learn to be still, basically. Mm. Learn to be quiet. I just want to tackle these things. I just started skateboarding. We got a half pipe at home. Oh, nice. And Carter, Carter is like a was like a pro skater. Come to the house after this. I'll we just got literally a half it. pipe. We got to do it. Um, which is just so much fun. I can't drop in yet. Yeah. But I'm getting you can go closer. Up and down. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. getting closer, and it's all going to happen. But like, I feel like you attack these things in a way that you again they add to your story, but they get to be about. Like, then it's never like the days don't become routine. It's like mm -hmm. I'm always trying to do something. This morning I woke up to an email from, uh, I just finished a movie with Billy Corgan and I from um, Smashing Pumpkins did the music for a film called uh, Skyman, okay. which the guy who did Blair Witch Project did Skyman. So we just finished that and now he's doing this other thing called the Black Veil or something. And he just asked me if I would do music for it. And he sends me this morning this like swampy bluegrass thing. He's like, do you, can, do you have anything like this? And no, I don't have anything like that. But, but you know I'm going to use Damn my it. imagination. I I'm going to get I it. I went to the studio, 10 a.m., turned some stuff on, you know, drove the preamp so my voice would be more like that. Yeah, yeah. Came up with an idea, started playing it. Like, I'll, by the end of today, that will be done and it'll be sent out. Like, that's life. Yeah. You take a thing and you accomplish it. Like, yeah. I just don't let moss sort of grow. I Half the battle is turning on the stuff. Uh, everything. And getting in the room and just starting, taking a small idea and not looking at this massive mountain in front of it's you. It's all incremental. It's all little tiny things. That's it. It's the same with the book. I, my book came out in February, Dad's No Best, and it's the first book in a series of, it's called No Best Books. And I have like six lined up. And the first one is dads know best. And then there'll be like women know best, dogs know best. Oh, cool. Girlfriends know whatever. It's like four dummies meets chicken soup for the soul. Cool. I love that. About That's 150 great. pages. It's kind of snarky. You know, mm -hmm. you definitely should should grab the dads know best one for you. Um, but I never wrote a book before. Yeah. And my publisher's like, well, here's kind of what you do. And then I just tackled it one day, one at, a time. day at a time. And then all of a sudden, there were 130, then 104, then 150 pages, and then I'm editing the thing down when it got a little bit too big, and it's like, you yeah, get done, like, and like now like, I wrote a book. How did I get here? Yeah. How I did I book. get here? That's crazy. And how cool is that? Like, I can say I'm an author. I can say I'm a radio host on FM radio, which I never did that When did before. you start doing that? That's like six years. Six years? Okay. Saturdays. And it started out, they asked me to go five days. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. It is kind of funny because the, the radio station, and we're getting pretty big. It's FM. Yeah. It's 102.5 The Bone. And they'll call and say, uh, the producer will say, I need you to be better about doing this rejoinder. I'm like, no, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> well, you need to kind of, no, no, I'm not no. doing any of that. I'm going to do the show I do. Yeah. And if it connects, great. If it doesn't and you don't want me on, that's okay, too. Yeah, I want to learn, but I'm not going to conform. I yeah. will definitely take the uh, criticism I want. I want to get better at interviewing. I want to learn to do what I'm 
not do what I'm doing now, which is just talk too much. No, it's um, great. I want to learn how to be like great at it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I'll move on. But I, you know, same with tennis. I want to learn to be great at tennis. I never played before. I started two years ago and like, I want to be great at stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's a great aspect of, of a personality when and I do it too. I haven't gotten obsessed about working out or dieting very well, but <laughs> I, uh, I'll find something and then you just want to go full steam ahead and like get really good at it. And well, you're doing this. Also, yeah. Well, this, this kind of came out of like wanting to, cause I didn't feel like well, when I went to musical mu- music school and stuff like that, I didn't feel like I was getting the best education I possibly could because I didn't have my networking skills, like really honed in or dialed in. I was just like a kid. I was a kid in college, just wanted to have fun and didn't really work super hard. But then after a while, after all the traveling, I was like, there is so much to this that I don't know about. And there are so many different experiences that people have that I don't know about. And I want to know how everyone does it. Because there's like no one way to skin the cat. And like everyone has a different view. Shit. No, it's fine. Hi, Hi, John. John, this is Don. Hey, John, John. How are you, John? How's it going, man? Nice to meet you. Speaking of someone that loves stuff. I'll just be in the corner eating cereal with my mouth open. <laughs> you love stuff? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I'm the worst. This is this is a stuff guy. Alright, so is it like clutter stuff or like No. Like good stuff. You the like- least amount of clutter. Like his house is like c- cleaner than anything. And then just, you know, you love stuff. I I get a lot of stuff. I love like like, I didn't even own a car until, like, five years ago. I didn't have one for... Don is the king of, like, the cool, the coolest I stuff. didn't have a car for, like, 15 years. Maybe yeah. 10 years. Something like that. Because I just, like... My wife's like, you need a car. I'm like, I don't need a car. I don't like to leave. My recording studio's in, the, on a built, in a building in the yard. My gym's there. I have a, we have a place in L.A., and there's a studio. There's even a salon in the place in L.A. Like, I don't want to leave my house. <clears throat> I don't need to leave. I feel you- like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> so even doing this, that's why I said like a couple times. Sometimes I'm like, "You want me to come there?" Or so just to be clear, you want me to come to you? <laughs> yeah. I did say that a couple yeah, times, no. and I said to my wife, "She goes, you're gonna go somewhere yeah. and do it." I'm like, "Yeah, it's for him." I'll I go said, for him. "I said to Genevieve, I was like, I'm pretty sure Don wants me to come there, and I really want to go there, but I don't know if there's time." Yeah. But no, this is great. I think I, I feel like we can make time. To, you guys should come. I you think, should come by. I think we're gonna have do a glass it. of tequila, mm. see the studio, and then get the hell out. Yeah, yeah you should. And because like, literally it took me ten take, minutes to be ten, here. It only took you ten minutes yeah, to be here. Actually, eleven minutes with there. All right, we can make, we can do this. But I also have the Tesla. I know you. The thing, which is pretty crazy. How how fast is it? It, it does like you can go to sixty in less than two seconds. That's, I think, or it's. That's now, because it's ludicrous plus mode. So I think it's less than, I think it's like one eight. Or, I don't know. You have to look up. I don't know that enough. I don't drive enough to care. Is like, that like an an update that it does by itself yeah, you where can, yeah. you update it and then the next day I can it's go new. faster yeah, yeah, yeah. than I did Even yesterday? Even though this is the, the new one. Okay. Yeah, this is a new one. That makes me sound like such an asshole. But this is like, <laughs> it's like this so. dual motor, blah, 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 blah. Oh, the coolest yeah. thing on it is like I put the turn signal on it and it makes the 
sound like your seat's farting. To me, that's the <laughs> coolest feature in the whole car. It's I like, like have different seats in the car fart. And, I know. just love that people can make these things and they make them and that they just, they do it. It's Dude, like, this is what's no, possible. All right, we're doing it. What's amazing about that car is that's everything we're talking about. That's somebody, whatever you think of him, he strove for greatness <laughs> and freaking connected and got it now that doesn't mean that it's gonna you know that he doesn't he's not a little crazy or whatever else you might think he did a thing no one else was doing that is the secret of life and he probably did something that people said that he couldn't do exactly and also it's not the like why most people are like i don't want a car you can't hear well yeah. guess what once you get in it and hit it and everybody's head snaps back you're like i don't think i'd mind this car yeah, I think it was a Joe Rogan that yeah. that talks about he he's a big muscle car guy, yeah, loves yeah, yeah. it, and he got he got one of those, and he's whoever like, here has a license. I mean, who has a license that they haven't screwed up? They're welcome to take the car for a ride. I, I'm all right. I'm doing it. Yeah, it's a yes. great ride. I have a license. It's perfect driving record. All right. So maybe not after that, but no, <laughs> yeah, <kidding>. please. <laughs> it's like don't ruin it. <laughs> that goes along with all the other stuff we're talking about. Like yeah, to the joy of like someone else getting to do that yeah you know like i'm i've now become a real lover of art which is um i didn't realize i would but what, like, ki what kind of art like banksy okay I, so modern art i i own a i i bought an original banksy you have an original yeah, banksy on cardboard which is stupid it's amazing um i have yeah, I have a couple of real. I, do you I get into Do you get into like the stories behind them? Because yeah. that's something that I think. Well, I mean, if you're getting into modern art, I think you need to get into the stories because that's pretty much that's pretty much all of what yeah. that art is. Yeah, it's I have a, a Warhol. Um, so I have a couple. Take care. Uh, I have a couple that are pretty amazing, and it's and it's about again, it is about the story. It's also like my photographs. I want to know the photographer, and most of the time I do. Like, I'm mm -hmm. fortunate enough to have met these people, whatever the circumstance, you know? Yeah. But if I'm going to put it out, you know, in L.A., I even have, like, um, Mick Fleetwood's drum, a snare drum from him. And that's part of, like, the story, because like, Mick's a friend, and he's a good friend yeah. of mine. Like, it's part of, like, that's Mick Fleetwood's snare drum. Yeah. Want to touch it? Want to hear the story? Because yeah. it's all a thing, you yeah. know? And again, it's a way for everyone to feel that they're one degree closer to whoever they want to be closer to. And it breaks down that thing of like, you've got to be somebody different than who you are to get that chance. Yeah. Does that, you know? Yeah. Like, I've, I've completely feel like I belong in any room. Yeah. I never get freaked out. Yeah. It doesn't matter who. And I've been in some great rooms and I've never once been like, man, maybe I shouldn't say something quite the opposite i'm not afraid to be like john fogarty i think you need to play more guitar you know what i mean like whatever the yeah. thing is because as long as there's mutual respect and as long as you come from a place of like i love you yeah you know mick hit the drums harder whatever that is even though by the way john fogarty plays the guitar five hours a day plays the shit out of the guitar and mick fleetwood hits, hits the crap out of the pretty drum. hard <laughs> but i'm just saying like i wouldn't feel like they're no different than you, you and me. Yeah, I feel like you could open up your house as like the Don Mix Story Museum. Yeah, and just like take people around, and they can like Look at that. they can like live out these these interesting, intricate, yeah, yeah, yeah. very like specialized, cool fantasies. It's that's 
It's so cool. But you know what it is? You don't forget. <clears throat> you don't forget, and it's so cliche, but you don't forget where you came from. Right. So now tell me, where did you where did you grow up? Did you grow up in this area? I grew up on Long Island. Long Island. Okay. Long Island, New York. Um, you know, we was 600, five, five to 600 square foot home, five mm -hmm. of us in it, really small, mm -hmm. one very little bathroom, a bedroom so small that I didn't have a regular door. I had, they had to use an accordion door. Mm -hmm. Um because a regular door would have taken up too much room. Yeah. Um, and just like really wonderful parents who were growing up trying to figure it out for themselves while they were having kids. And, and we didn't have anything, but we never thought we didn't have enough. Mm -hmm. um, and then you may meet people who had way more and you're like, wow, oh, that's what that like, is. Oh, but, yeah. but we never, that was never a thing. And, you know, there was always love and music and, Mm -hmm. And dreams. My my dad was a still is big on like follow your dream. When I was getting ready to go to college, I was going to go to Hofstra University, and uh, I said I'm going to go there, maybe do music or become a lawyer. And I, and my dad said, oh, we don't have the money, but I'm I'm not going to pay for you to go to college because you're a musician. Mm. And if I pay for you to go to college, you're going to waste years that you could be really learning to be a musician. So go be a musician. He said that to you? Yeah. Wow. And there's a part of that where it's like, that's kind of screwed up. And there's a part of it where it's like, <laughs> that's kind of amazing. It is, yeah. Because he also knew... It, well, it's a risk. It's, but it, it's all a risk. That's the right, key. You right. could go to college, and you're not, you may not use any of that. Right. And it's, it's really, who are you? And what's important to you? What, he knew that I was a driven person. Right. I had a business when I was young that made really good money when I was 16, and what was I, that business? <clears throat> a window washing business at Fire Island. Oh, okay. Which nobody was doing that. So I like had Mel Brooks, Dom DeLuise. I mean, I'm washing. Oh, my God. Window. And so <clears throat> I got to see what rich people were like. And mm -hmm. and I got to see what I how I wouldn't want to be. And then there are people you're like, oh, I think I that's this is a good example of what you're supposed to be like if you ever make money. Yeah. And I never thought I wouldn't. I never thought that that couldn't be me right. to some extent. Because if you're around it, you see it's possible. And you also realize, again, like, you know, Fleetwood said a really cool thing to me, and I'll paraphrase it, I'll get it wrong, but one night he, I was writing something and, and he wanted to be part of it, and he said, you're as good as anyone I've ever worked with. Mm. But basically said, the light just hit them. It yeah. just didn't hit you the same way. Hmm. And he's, you know, and he said, but I'm still proud. I still feel like I've been accomplishing stuff and I'm still better today than I ever was. And I still feel like you want to see something good. Come see what I'm doing. Cause I got some good stuff. Yeah. Having said that, the light didn't hit me like that. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. It just, the realities are the realities, but yeah. you still get up every day and you hit it as hard as you can. And so when I was growing up, I then I would do music, but I also would, we loved business so much. I got into this company when I was 19. That was a $3 million company. And when I left, when I was like 27, it was a $3 billion company. Wow. And this was in New York? This is in New York. And okay. I, it's, I was in charge of like sales and marketing and product development. How'd you get into that? <clears throat> Literally just like a girlfriend's dad was there and I got a little menial job there 
And then I would just go in and be like, I'm younger than everyone else you have here, and I know more than they do mm-hmm. about common sense stuff. Like, and it is business is common sense. Life is common sense. Yep. Don't put your finger in the socket because it could shock you. Like, mm-hmm. just don't do it. Right. But be prepared. Work harder than everybody else. And then if luck happens, maybe you'll be the one that it hits. Yep. So I always just was like, I'm just going to work as hard as I can. Well, that started to really work out. And at the same time, I was um, doing music as much as I could. And then fast forward a little bit. I had signed a record deal when I was 19 with BMG, RCA, and then quickly got shelved because they were putting all their money into this guy who never turned out to be anything, Dave Matthews. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. said to me, we're going to put all our money in this guy, Dave Matthews. I'm like, you're making a mistake. Yeah. Um, they didn't make a mistake there. Uh, so I was doing business and doing it's music. It's going to make you feel better that the fact's like, okay, <clears throat> all right. <laughs> yeah. But even any of that, like, I, I sincerely, Humps, at the end, I always just think, well, it's all, it's all okay. Yeah. You know? Do I wish... That, like, every night I played, there were 30,000 people? Sure. Am I happy that I just recently did that ZZ Top Cheap Trick tour where every night was 15,000 people and I yeah. we slayed it every night? Yeah. So, like, part of feeling okay is being okay with the fact that if it didn't happen, it wasn't because you couldn't do it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It just didn't, the light didn't hit you the same right. way. It's like, you're doing it, you know how to put the work in, you're not half-assing anything, Right. and this this is what it is. And any day could be that day. Mm-hmm. And that's <clears throat> what I get up for. I still think, I write five days a week with people, mostly, in LA and here, then I produce, then I'm doing TV show, like I'm doing one with Tyler Florence, done a couple with him on the Food Network, and then I write... I have a publishing company where I'm constantly putting stuff out with other all styles. There's R&B, there's pop, there's country. It doesn't matter what it is. Constantly doing this thing. And on any day, I could write the biggest song of my career. Yeah. So. Absolutely. That's kind of fun. And it can come in 10 minutes. It's just so weird how it it works. Right. It's so weird. But that's everything. If you allow yourself to be open, every opportunity like every minute, there's an opportunity that could be the best thing that's ever happened to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I met my wife by seeing a photo of her while I was on tour in Colorado. Wow! Like, and I just knew with every fiber of my being, like 14 years ago, like that, <laughs> that will be the person I'll be with for yeah. the rest of my life. I didn't know any of her backstory. It's very sweet to see your Instagram posts and stuff, like how loving you are for your wife and everything. It's it's very sweet She's, to see. Well, she just, like, I walked around for a while before that, no disrespect to the person I was with before, but it felt like I had a wet blanket around me. I felt this tension of life, Mm. and I was doing really well. I just bought a big house in San Francisco. I was making, well, I was making over a half a million dollars a year when this is now 15, 16, 17, 18 years ago. I was making a like, I was doing really, really well. yeah. And I still felt like I'd kill my, I was going to kill myself before I was 40 because wow. I was like, none of this means anything. I want to be doing the things I want well, to do. That tells you everything you need to know right there. I tells mean, you everything. You're doing, you're doing like, as far as the, 
the naked eye can see you're doing so well. It's like, why can't this person, you right. know, they have everything. They can be so happy. But it's not what it's about. It's you know? not. And, and you, I really learned, like, I wasn't feeling that, to quote my sister-in-law's book, God-Shaped Hole. I wasn't feeling that God-Shaped Hole with, like, any of those, those successes. And it really all took shape when I, Lisa and I met, and she just said, I just want you to be the person you want to be. I mm -hmm. would never tell you what that is. Hmm. You get to choose that. Yeah. And the freedom of that, the freedom of like truly being able to look at yourself in the mirror and say this, I want to be this is the biggest gift you can ever get. Because yeah. we, most of us, we talked a little bit about, you know, you go to college, you go to school for a thing. Most of us wind up somewhere. Yeah. We didn't set out to be there. Right. And, I because what do you know when you're 16 right. or 17? What do you know? You don't know anything. But you want to, But the problem is that that's kind of how we are as a society. We've geared you towards you do this, then you do this, then you do this, and then this happens. And then we all ride off into hating our life because we're not making enough money or we're not, mm -hmm. we don't have the things we want, whatever that is. And there was just something so freeing about intention, mm -hmm. about this intention deliberately saying, I want to do this. I'm not going to do that. Because right. I could have easily gone and worked for the family. Yeah. Could have just gone in there. I know business. It's been doing it my whole life. Yep. I was vice president, ran the company, and I could have gone in and done the same thing. But to what extent? Would have been easy. Yeah, but for what? Like, again, yeah. where's the story? Like, right. where's, where's the story of my life? Yeah. You know? And the thing you find also, like... Lisa and I, when we got together, one thing I've made very clear, and I still do, maybe sometimes it's to a detriment, I'm not in charge of her happiness. Yeah. She is her happiness dealer. Mm -hmm. I am mine. Right. My job is to make me happy. Her job is to make her happy. We lean on each other. We commiserate together. We do all the things that a couple does, but her job is to stand on her feet. Yeah. And if she's standing on mine, I can't walk. Yeah. It's a great so, way to put it. You make sure that each other figures that out, and then you're walking together, which is way stronger than one of you carrying the other all the time. I'm not saying you don't carry each other some of the time. I'm not yeah. saying there's not all Yeah, you that. support each other. But that's very different than like, you live life the way you think's right. I'm going to live it the way I think's right. Thank God we're aligned. Mm -hmm. But that's the, the trick is just being honest with yourself. Yeah. Because... You know, Maya Angelou said, people tell you who they are, you just have to listen. So she tells me who she is, I listen. And that's how we run our lives, as opposed to like, there's something not right about that person. And yeah. you kind of ignore all that stuff. You ignore everything else, mm -hmm. you project, you do all right, this stuff. You do all yeah. The, yeah. yeah. And you do that in bands. Right. You know, how many bands have you been in when that was what you did, as yeah. opposed to it seems I like... I think this is how this should go. Yeah, you think and I this think is you've how this figured, should go. It seems like you've kind of figured out, from when I first met you till now... It seems like you really have dialed in a thing about you. Yeah. Something has changed where I think you were kind of on a search still. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe also not as, I mean, you always seemed serious about it, but maybe not as like, no, I'm good. And I'm also like, I'm the guy you want in the band. Yeah. And not searching. Like there became this thing where you kind of just 
I don't know, you were, it seems like you're able to look in the mirror better than you ever were. Yeah, I'm just, I'm pretty confident in what I do, what I can do, and like, and my ability to sit down and figure things out, and just like kind of be me, and be myself. I understand like, how, I know how I am to work with, so I can try to like, take myself out of situations. I know how to say no a lot now, which is, which is, I think an important lesson to learn. Um, sometimes when you're starting, probably when you met me, like I didn't have the ability to say no, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I just, I just know kind of what I want to do and, and, and occupying your time with things that you want to do. So you're not always dwelling in those little pockets of doing nothing after a tour or something, or if I'm a home, um, working on something to, you know, writing more songs and figuring things out and going out and asking the questions you need to ask to learn what you want to learn. Right. I, I was probably not doing that before. So right. I'm definitely more comfortable with just me and what I'm doing and, you know, yeah, but that, that comes through and it also, that's contagious too. Yeah. And that also allows people to want to be around you yeah. because there's a, there's always that little bit of he's got something we want. Yeah. You know what I mean? I also think that I have kind of rid myself of of the quality of trying to take over whatever room I'm in. So like I feel like when I was younger, I was more the person that would suck people's personalities away and not let them shine in the same room, you know, like a little too not big for the room, but right. I just wouldn't let people be them, you know? And, um, when I realized that, you know, with some, uh, a couple of situations and someone like people talking to me about like how I made them feel in some way, it really allowed me to, to like look and think and be like, Oh my God, I'm like, I am not reaching my full potential. Cause I'm not allowing people to be themselves around me. Wow. So, I need to take a real step back. And a lot of times what I do now is like, I will feel things out. I'll go in a room, like I'll feel people out. I won't really, you know, engage too quickly with people, but I try to like pick and pinpoint and find opportunities to like connect with people on a, on a deeper level Interesting. rather than, rather than, um, you know, just go into a room and being the person that might be a little annoying to someone. Wow, but you know that's I mean? kind of self-preservation for you, too. Especially, that sounds to me like really good advice to anyone who's going going to be a touring artist, especially. Yeah. you figure out how not to sort of kind of blow it all right away. We well, don't want to ruffle any feathers. And, and pace yourself. Yeah. You don't want to ruffle any feathers, especially as someone that is, you know, a hired guy. I don't really consider myself that in this band. I feel I Well, I feel you've like, earned it. You've kind yeah. of earned to be in this band now. Yeah. And um but when you're a hired guy, you want to come in and be supportive and not ruffle any feathers and and be a cool person to be around. But also I think where some people miss it a little bit is they don't take the opportunities to speak up for themselves and shine when when they can. So I try to take those things and and use it and build upon it and become more than just a drummer in a band and more than just um, you know someone that sings well or you know someone that can like go in 
and add a lot to any situation. That's great. So I just try, I strive to do that. Well, I think that's what's going to make it that you always kind of have a job too. I hope so. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Then you just get to do your favorite things. Yeah. And that's really, to me, that's success. Yeah. Get up and do your favorite things. And And if you can do that, You've won, and whatever level that is, and if you can find someone to share that with, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> my wife and I, our, there are three components I feel like are in a relationship, and that's intimacy, so it could be sex, cut, or whatever that is, mm-hmm. it's money, mm-hmm. and it's communication, and it's not about the amount of any of those, it's the agreement on the amount of all of those between the two of you. Interesting, if, if yeah. you're if you both say sex once a year is perfect, if your wife says that or your boyfriend and whatever says that and you go, I agree, you're simpatico. Yeah. If they say we're good with making $30 a year and, and you say I need to make $7 million a year, you're not simpatico. Right. You got to get aligned. You got to figure Communication. it out. We can talk once a day. We can talk once a year. As long as you agree, doesn't matter what the frequency of any of those things are. That's ha- how you have you can breathe in and Interesting. Out. I've never heard it put that way, yeah. and I, I completely agree with that. Right? And so yeah. there's a version of that for every relationship you're in. So I try now to get to a point where you sort of assess without overthinking, like that person and I, that's our, we have this thing. This is who, like, whatever your things are, just right. make sure if you're, if it's going to work as a relationship, you have to be aligned with the things that you're deciding you are right. together. Right. You know, whatever that right. is. Yeah. So, like, the guy that was in, t- like, stuff. Yeah. I like stuff. As long as we're aligned on the kind of stuff we like, we could actually become great friends. Oh, of course. But if... He, you guys have a lot in common. But if he were like, <laughs> what I like is sex, drugs, and rock and roll stuff. And yeah. I'm like, well, I like art, guitars, and, yeah. you know. It's like, then well, we're not aligned with stuff. It's, it's you know what I mean? Could There's be something a, else, but that's not it. Yeah. So it's just funny. And I think that the older you get, the more you just sort of, um, I call it my Atlas Shrugged. I just, from to quote Ayn Rand, her book, Atlas Shrugged, I just sort of shrug off all the hangers on. Yeah. Um, and then I try to let go of the people I'm hanging on. Right. And just, again, these are my two feet. This is how I stand. And this is where I really am in the world, not where I wish I was. Right. And these are the people I really have in the world, not the people I wish I did. Mm-hmm. You know? So I have little rules to myself. If I text someone three times and they don't text back, I don't get mad. Yeah. I just decide we're not really friends. Yeah. And that's okay, too. Sometimes I just delete them from you know, my, yeah. my contact list, and then that's it. Well, because you can't let those things linger, and you can't, like... It's it, you have to kind of have a one strike you're out rule with yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah, because I mean that that can be frustrating. And yes, of course, there's situations where like unforeseen circumstances, and you know we're using texting as an example. But if that just like constantly happens, or you constantly try to make plans with someone, and and you're making all of the effort, right, one hundred percent of the effort, and you're never getting it's any time back, to go, right? it's time to go. And there, and it's, it's all different its levels. As I was also really coming up, and I started becoming friends with, quote unquote, famous people. Mm-hmm. If I got their numbers, there were some I'd keep even if they didn't talk to me ever. Yeah. And even that, I've gotten to a point. I have a couple. <clears throat> I'll name drop one because it's funny. So I, I'm friendly with um, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. And when we first became friends. 
we'd have like, we talked and then we'd do more texting and then really short texts, which is like, Hey, kept trying to get together and it just wouldn't work out. And finally, I'm like, okay, we're not really friends. Yeah. So no big deal. So I texted, it was like, I forget what I said, but I didn't send him a Christmas card or something. And he sent me one and he said, Hey, I didn't get your Christmas card. Interesting. And I was like, Oh, Okay. Well, that's more than that's more than just text friends. Then it's like, okay, exactly that. I added them back in, and I text him again. He doesn't reply to the first one, doesn't reply to the second, replies to the third. So I've realized with someone like him, he's also, I've got to meet him where he is. He's a recluse. Yes. He's a little sort of like, doesn't really know yes. how. But you have, to, you have to be able to recognize who those people are. Because I, right. I have friends like that, that... You know, I'll talk to them once and you'll get together with them and you'll have such a great time and you you know, you want to keep in contact and then they're off doing their other thing and they can't do two things at the same time. And you can't hate them for that. You no, gotta you take can't. them where for they what, are. For what they are. Yeah. And as long as you're like, I know who that is. Yes. But if I really needed them, they'd be there. And I have another example of probably it sound right. Am I sounding like no. a dick saying okay? No, just do it. <clears throat> so Eddie Vedder. <laughs> okay, yeah. And so <clears throat> Eddie and I became friends at an event with Obama. Okay. And we connected in this big way, spent a lot of time together. But it's Eddie Vedder. Yeah. He connects with a lot of people that way. Mm -hmm. He's Eddie Vedder. And I've got to realize, like, hey, like whatever I think I am, he's a whole other level of that. Yeah. Right? And that's the truth. And that's not I'm okay. So he says, you, we got to get together again. But he doesn't give me his number gives me his assistant's number. Okay. So whenever I speak to Eddie, it's always through his assistant. And then I'll see him and we'll get together. Like we'll talk. Like uh, every time they come through or I want to go to a concert, I go and we hang out in, with him. It's always great. So I was thinking, we were in Chicago when the Cubs won the World Series. And um, Joe Madden, the coach, used to coach here in Tampa. So I, I got to know Joe. Mm -hmm. And so I was invited to go there because of Joe. But... I'm going, and as I'm going, I'm texting his assistant, Eddie's assistant, said, hey, I'm going to be there. And some another friend of ours, a mutual friend, the mutual friend said, Ed said, let's meet after the, sh after the game at this bar. We'll all hang out. And I'm like, I have my nephew. I'm not going to do that. He's like, all right, well, let's get together. Whatever, right? Um, I'm bragging to my nephew and my um, brother-in-law and my wife. I'm a pretty big deal, I'm saying. I said, Joe Madden, the guy who's coaching this game, and I are texting, and I have a seats here. I, we can go, if we want to go into the dugout, we can go into the dugout, whatever we want. Yeah. We're at the World Series. I'm, I've got that. I'm talking with Eddie Vedder, and they're like, well, you're not really talking with Eddie Vedder. I'm like, oh, you're right. And then <laughs> got a point they're making fun of me there, and then I also knew Rahm Emanuel, who was the mayor at the yeah, time, yeah. and he's texting me back. I'm like, your uncle is a big deal. Yeah. So... Now we're at the game, and I see Ed wave, but I don't go over because it wasn't like he was right there. You could see, and I texted the other guy. And he was like, oh, Ed's right there. Um, come the thing after, I said, I can't go. But we didn't see each other. No one else saw us wave, and so my brother-in-law was making a joke, and he's like, you're not really friends if you don't have his number and if he doesn't really talk to him. I'm like, you're mm. kind of right. Yeah. <clears throat> so then game's over. We're going back to the hotel, and, and I go pulling up, and behind us pulling up is a car, and a bunch of people are around, and I look, and I'm like, it's Eddie. 
I get out and I say to Lisa, I'm going to go say hi. And she goes, don't, don't bother him. Don't bother him. I go, what are you talking about? We've been together 10 occasions. Last time we were with him, yeah. he actually said, I need to get a picture with you. Which oh, he asked. So I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah. So not out of the realm he, of comfortability. No, he's so, but I'm still in my head. I'm still saying my brother-in-law just said to me, you're not friends. He doesn't yeah. have your phone number. <laughs> so I go up and I go, Ed. And the security guards, not tonight, not tonight. They're all pushing me back. Not oh. tonight. I go, Ed, not tonight. And I just go, Don Miggs. Jesse, he stops, <laughs> he turns, and he goes, Don. Pulls me in, hugs me. We're talking for a minute. Oh, how are you doing? Where's Lisa? She's outside. Of the, she's outside. Of the, yeah. She comes in. Now we're talking. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. At, with that, we're walking to, into the building. And I said, yeah, my nephew and my brother-in-law are here. And they're right next to me now. And he goes, hey, how you doing? So my brother-in-law is literally my left ear. Mm -hmm. And I'm opening the door with my right hand. No, Eddie's opening the door with his left hand. And I'm on his right side. And, and he turns and he goes, Don, I think about you all of the time. And I don't even look at Eddie. All I do is look right at my brother-in-law like, I guess we are friends. <laughs> Walk in. It's a long way to say the funny part of that. I get into bed. I'm getting ready to put my head down. And they had all been saying, oh, you're such a big deal. You're such a big deal. My, my wife, my brother-in-law, go to put my head down. I go, I guess I am a pretty big deal. <laughs> put my head down and go to sleep. But what that taught me is that's another one. you got to meet. If you're going to be friends with certain people, you meet them where they are. Right. And where he is. And also, is. it speaks to to your ambition of, of like, listen, I know this guy. I am friends. I'm a big deal. I need right. to prove this to you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool that he, like, made me feel like yeah. everything. He yeah. also taught me that it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's something about that whole exchange that was like, wait a minute. That's the kind of friends we are. Yeah. So yep. I'm not the guy that he's calling every Tuesday, but when I'm around, we see each other and, yeah. and it's he knows nice. You, and, so and it's friendly. That's and he, who we are. Yeah. It's awesome. So I tried to make it a thing it wasn't. Yeah. And the takeaway was like, you take people where they are, yeah. not where you want them to be. Mm -hmm. And if you do that with everybody in your life, you it actually winds up being way smoother. Oh yeah. You're gonna you're gonna have better relationships. Yeah. Overall, everywhere, everywhere, everything where you're in business, you go into that venue, the guy that's working the door, meet him where he is. Yep. He's seen a million of you. Most of you are, are jackasses. Yeah. He's just trying to get through his night. Yep. And so you meet him where he is and the, everything will be better. Yeah. I try to do my best. It's funny. You bring that up. I try to do my best and you notice a lot of these door people, they're, they're crabby. Some of them don't want to be there. They... You know, they know that they have a long night of dealing with, uh, with potentially shitty people, and you try to go up to them and be like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to get coffee. Can I get? Can I get you one? Because you are very few and far between. Right? Nobody is going to do that. Right? Nobody does. They go in. They they discount everyone in the room. Every single one of those people. In that room, maybe it's the bartender that wants that is an aspiring musician. She just wants to work there because she yeah. loves yep. being around music. Or the door guy that is like wants to be an artist and and he just likes being out in the nightlife and meets a lot of people at the door and 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 develops relationships with people at the door, people at the door, whatever. 
You never know. Well, kindness is never a bad idea. Kindness is never a a bad idea. And you just, and it goes back to you never know who that person is or what that exchange is going to do for them or do for you. Right. You know? I think the fact that I love going to venues for like the second and third time. I agree. Because you go and that coffee that you bought for them or in one particular case i played space in evanston um and i was really really sick really really sick and i was like in they have a recording studio have you been there i love that yeah so the recording studio in the back there's like a kind of a quiet room in there and i just was lying on the couch and one of the the girls that works there came in and said, like, is there, is there anything I can get for it? It's like, no, I'm just sick. There's just need some to rest. great people in that venue. Great people. I can't remember her name. I remember her name was Elise. Elise. Yes. And I don't know if she still works there, but I don't. I'm bad with names. I will never forget that name because she came in with some like miso soup. She went to like another place that, you know, she got me something that always made her feel better when she didn't feel well. And she could see I was in a lot of pain. I have Crohn's disease. I was having issues and and I was in a really bad, I, I could barely play that show. And she came in, she got me this, this thing. And it just, it, it meant so much to me. It just meant so much because you realize that, this person doesn't know me. They didn't have to do that. I'm like one of millions of musicians that come in there every year. And it's like, you know, that one little act of kindness. I'll never forget it. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I think that you, we have that opportunity every day. Yeah. My, I always thought money was kind of evil. And then I married a billionaire's daughter and I realized it wasn't that bad. But no, what I realized is that it's how you handle it, right? And my father-in-law and my wife and their whole family, they're so incredibly generous. Yeah. They just give and give way more than anyone will ever hear about. And it makes me so proud to be part of the family. But I was coming back from LA literally a month ago and the guy who drives us all the time, he said, I... it's really amazing what you just did and what you do. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you just gave that valet guy money when he didn't get you a car. You have a car. Yeah. And you gave him money when you came in too. And I said, well, I have it. Yeah. And so I just want to give it. It's like, why not? He said, no, it's what makes your family so unique. And I said, well, thanks for saying that, Harry. And he said, "Uh, I'll tell you a story. You know how he was just in Croatia, I think it was. And they were going to go, he had his two kids and his wife, and they were going to go, and their kids are 16 and 18 or 16, 17. They were going to have the dad and the son stay in one room, mom and the daughter stay in the other room. And he said, because of the summer with you guys, and you, I, I, I give him the amount of money I give him after every time he takes us somewhere, Yeah, we had enough money where we just got a, another room. For the kids, so they didn't have to share a room with us. Yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah, that's kind of what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah. It's that act of kindness. It's that kind of like, I call it. We don't need a reason. And there's a foundation I'm trying to start, which is basically you do things for no reason except it's nice to do. Yeah. And the pay it forward the, kind the, of. Yeah, but idea. the ripple effect. Problem with pay it forward to me, not even problem, is that everyone wants to do something for the homeless or the poor, and I get all of that. But how about just the person to your right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it doesn't matter how much money they have or don't have. 
everybody wants to feel like somebody else wants to help them. Right. So if I'm in a nice restaurant, sometimes I'll look at the person who looks like they have the most and I'll buy that meal. Hmm. And I don't tell them who's buying it just because they're always the ones doing that mm -hmm. for someone to do it for them is will now that the ripple effect of that is they will do more yeah. because someone did for them and they're so used to knowing doing for them because they're the they're the big cheese in the room so right. you take care of that person and then there's that you know just kind of yeah because at that point down. it's not about the money it's about it's about just like just want to take care of that yeah and like you're yeah. you know just pay you know do and it is it's pay it forward but it's it, more it is but it's in like a a more just everyday kind of way you know like like buying the doorman coffee right. or, or having soup got from you know someone getting a, a thing of soup for me because i didn't feel well you when know they mix, didn't have to mix days with us yeah. in la we actually have he has his own suite in our really? house he doesn't need to stay with us no he's mick fleetwood he likes to stay with you he can stay anywhere he wants yeah <laughs> he stays there because he feels more comfortable and when he first started doing he said to a friend who introduced us what is this guy's deal? <laughs> like, why is he letting me stay here for free? Because, you know, on the tours, the, even when they were, they get rooms paid for them, obviously, he could stay wherever he wants to stay. Yeah. And he'd rather stay there because he's more comfortable. And right. I'm not charging him anything. It's like, it's, it's a great story that he's in the house. But right. <clears throat> it's just another act of like, because every, you're, everyone's expecting stuff from you. Yeah. And then, by the way, we don't go to all the shows. Right. He's always like, you know, you you because I have a pass. We can go anywhere yeah, you, you want. You can come whenever you want. I'm like, no, I don't need to. It isn't about like now. You have to do this for me. Yeah. So, it's just refreshing for him. I'm sure to be like, okay, Spe not somebody grabbing something from me. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of him and people giving <clears throat> people things, there was a guy that was a big fan of the band I played in in, in Boston. He used to come to like one, once that band kind of broke up, he came out to the bar um, that I worked at for a long time, and then he like kept giving me all of the all of this music memorabilia. <laughs> you make noise. Um, he kept giving me all this music uh, memorabilia, where like like backstage passes, and they weren't and like signed set lists. Like he had set lists that were signed by the band that had like. You know, the there were like real set lists. And then he gave me, speaking of Mick Fleetwood, he gave me a backstage pass, an old backstage pass for Fleetwood Mac. And wow. uh, it was like from 1971. It's like a triangle, like a blue triangle pass. And I still have that. Like I, you know, stuck it to one, oh, of, that's my, cool. one of my old drum heads has that on there. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And he knew that every time that he came in and if he gave me like a little tidbit of music history that i would appreciate right it. and it's just like you know just See, that's, the things you don't have to do that's beautiful yeah and in our business if you're going to be on the road figure out how to be that guy yeah and if you can be that guy or girl just someone who is like constantly sort of in awe like i'm yeah. never tired of it like we're about to go do a run and i don't take it for granted yeah I love the fact that it's going to happen. I'm going to get I'm going to get a bus when we should probably have a sprinter. Right. But I want my guys to have a, it's really about that memory. To be comfortable and to feel like they're doing a thing that's important and it's important enough that they're able to be on a bus. Yeah, that's awesome. It means everything. You know, it means everything. 
Is there anything else you got? We are like way past I'm sorry. our time. No, I'm good. <laughs> it's all good. I'm good. That's I just great. Like, I, I like love getting more. Yeah. I love getting more than than like yeah. And then you just than, than schedule yeah. and it's like it's great. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, and it's you. I love talking to you. So I'm glad thanks, we Don. Did. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome.